You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network. You're listening to episode 276 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Joel Hoxley is a software engineer at GitHub. He's worked on projects including two-factor authentication checkup and organization insights. He recently served as the technical lead for Project Paper Cuts, incorporating feedback from the community into GitHub. Welcome to the podcast, Joel. Hey, Brittany. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Joel, what is your developer origin story? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's a long one. Uh, you know, I kind of have been in, into computers since before I can remember. Um, when I was growing up, we really didn't have a TV until years after we got our first family computer. So the computer was kind of our source of entertainment. Um, I didn't really get start, started coding until, you know, maybe like middle school or so, uh, when my dad needed a website. So I built a website for him, uh, using front page. Um, a couple years later, I had a teacher in high school that taught me PHP and MySQL, you know, kind of on the side in his free time. And around that time I was also getting into photography. Um, so I ended up learning WordPress to build a portfolio website and then use the PHP and MySQL skills my teacher had taught me to modify it. Um, so I went to school for photography and I did that for a little while. Uh, but then after working at a couple of newspapers and dealing with layoffs over and over and over again, I decided that I wanted to switch careers. Um, so as it turns out, my friend Aaron Snyder, who I had went to college with, had moved on to a software agency in Rhode Island called Mojotech. And he asked me if I wanted to do an apprenticeship there. Uh, and I said, yes. So I moved to Rhode Island and he kind of took me under his wings for a couple months and tried to teach me everything he knew. And, you know, here I am almost six years later working for GitHub, which I think is pretty cool. That's so neat that you have that design background as well. So I, I've talked to several developers who used to be photographers, and I think that's just such a valuable asset to have as you're, you know, working on a website. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's come in handy a lot getting to bridge the like technical visual divide. Cause I have a little bit of both. Oh, very cool. So this is the Ruby on Rails podcast. So I'd love to ask you, what is your experience with Ruby on Rails? So I had never heard of Ruby or Rails until the day I walked into Mojo Tech. So basically that was day one for me. And then from there on out, that's pretty much all the programming I've done. Uh, when I worked for them, you know, I started, uh, I worked on a couple client projects. They were mostly rescues, which gave me a lot of experience kind of out of the gate. And I would almost describe it as like a compressed fashion. Like, I feel like I was getting like years of experience in months because I was getting to see like the good and bad of Rails at scale, you know, lessons that you might not learn until you're further in your career. So um, I'm actually not yeah. familiar with that term. What is a rescue? So a rescue is basically, in the consulting world, a project that you get in the meet, under the premise that it needs help, that it's not in a good place and it needs to go to a good place. So we were working with startups that had, you know, say, started out with a Rails app and it may have gone in the wrong direction. They might have had scaling problems or data modeling issues, that kind of thing. Or you have a Rails project that hasn't been upgraded since maybe Rails 2. <laughs> we tried to stay away from Rails upgrades, but that was kind of inevitably part of our work. Interesting. Well, speaking of Rails, can you tell me what a day today is like at GitHub? As we discussed on the last episode, GitHub has been shipping so many cool features, so I'd love to hear what your experience is like. 
Oh man, it is really exciting to work at GitHub right now. Honestly, it is like to a T my dream job. Um, I've been working here for like a little over a year at this point. And it's like, honestly, just mind boggling to see how many things we've shipped as a company, you know, big and small. Um, right now I split my time in between two projects. My main responsibility is leading the team that owns our feature flag tooling. We actually use Flipper. Um, and then I'm also working on action view component in the time that I have left. So depending on the day, I'm working on one of those two things and I don't know, it's just great. Oh, that's so great. And you work remotely, correct? Yeah, I work remotely. I'm just south of Boulder, Colorado. We do have an office here. It's kind of like a co-working space. There's no specific team based here, but I think roughly 80% of our engineers are remote. And do you think that's what contributes to making it so great to work remote for GitHub is that so many people are remote or are they just really good at executing the remote strategy? I think that it's easy, easy to execute a good remote strategy if your majority is that high. I think you have to work a lot harder when that ratio is different. Interesting. Well, you mentioned this, and the reason I brought you onto the show today was to discuss your pull request to introduce ActionView component into Rails, which got a lot of fanfare from the community. So, starting off, where did the idea come from? Oh gosh, so this is going to be a this is a bit of a long story. Go so, for it. <laughs> so, my last job, I was working at a company called Galvanize, which, uh, for those who aren't familiar, is a tech education company. They run boot camps. They also have co-working spaces. They're similar to WeWork. Uh, they're based in Colorado, but they have campuses all over the place. Um, so my job at Galvanize was to be the lead engineer for the team that built software called Learn, which you can think of as like an LMS, aka a learning management system. And it was used by uh, instructors and students basically as the backbone of the education experience. So how that leads to action view component. Um, so we were using the React Rails gem to render a lot of our app, uh, obviously using React. But we got to this point where we started using it to render static content. And we did it, and we did this because we found that the testing framework that we had set up for testing our React components gave us really nice encapsulation and was just a much better developer experience than working with traditional Rails views. You know, unit tests were easy to write, you know, and, and we just saw a lot of benefits from it. And I didn't do much with that thought at the time, but it kind of struck me as odd that like a different technology would nail a core piece of what Rails should be doing so well. So a year later, working at GitHub, I was working on the pull on the uh, paper cuts project, and we were working on a feature to add the sticky headers to issues and pull requests. It shipped in January, um, and. Specifically, there was a piece of it that I ran into, which was the logic we use to render the little badge that shows you the state of an issue or pull request. And it was repeated all throughout the code base. It was tested inconsistently, and it was actually pretty buggy for something so simple. And this reminded me of what I was dealing with at Galvanize, where I was seeing some rough edges in the Rails view layer. So specifically what I noticed at GitHub was that we had to do a lot of our view testing through controller tests, which are really slow, which means that we didn't test our views thoroughly. And, you know, you can imagine if our views were other types of code, we would test them with unit tests. You can't really do that with, you know, with Rails views. Um, the other thing about working at GitHub is that every problem is magnified because we're on such a huge scale that even the smallest things stand out. Like, for example, we have 3,700 views. Like, 
oh my god, it's incredible. So any any problem is going to be magnified. What's great though is that seeing things at the scale makes these kinds of problems more clear. And having seen how well React solved some of these problems at Galvanize, I wanted to see if some of the same patterns from React would make Rails views easier to work with. That makes so much sense. I mean, yeah. we see a lot of big features coming out of Basecamp, and it's exciting to see big features coming out of GitHub. With a lot of open source projects, a lot can happen behind the scenes. I'm curious, did you consult the Rails core team before submitting your pull requests? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> one of the coolest parts of working at GitHub as a Rails engineer is that a lot of folks here contribute directly to Rails like on a very regular basis. Like we literally have a Ruby architecture team that I follow their chat room and literally every day they're working on something for Rails. Uh, we also employ two members of the core team, uh, Aaron and Eileen. Um, so when I was working on this, my manager actually, I, so I come up with the idea when I was at, you know, uh, when, we were, when I was working on this project and my manager said, Hey, you should talk to Tenderlove about this. And he and I asked Aaron and he was like, Oh my God, we should totally do this. So he was kind of like one of the first people to believe in it, you know, and as someone who's done little open source work in my career, and I've never contributed to rails before this PR, I was really scared about this whole process. So having a sponsor on the core team was like pretty much like the best thing ever. Um, so I actually paired with him about every two weeks on it. We would like chat on a Friday and then we'd spend it and then we'd come up with a plan and I'd work on it for like a week or two and then we'd come back and like do the same thing over and over again. Um, this helped us focus on solving the problem in a Railsy way, which, you know, with his deep experience working on Rails, he kind of knew what would fit in the framework best. Um, and after I gave a talk on this at RailsConf, Raphael from the core team invited us to upstream this into the alpha branch of 6.1, which is what just happened. Um, so I also paired with him on a draft of the pull request, and he mainly helped me flesh out some rough edges and um, add some more frequently asked questions so those who are looking at the PR could like understand what we were trying to do. Um, you know, And then the PR got merged six months after we did the prototype, which was pretty cool. Um, it did get merged in a much simpler form than when I opened it, but it does set the groundwork uh, for 6.1 to do what we want to do. That is so exciting. It's just so cool that you're going to have this legacy into this framework that you already love and use. And to have people at GitHub that are championing this for you and really helping you to word your pull request and to write the right code and the right tests, it's just really cool. And to have that be your first open source contribution is just amazing. Yeah, it's really incredible. And like, I don't know, it's, it's truly an embodiment of something Eileen I heard her say somewhere, which is that frameworks are extracted, not built. And that like really resonated with me because it's so easy to go in building these kinds of things saying, oh, what if we did this? What if we did that? But what they really guided me through was basing the architecture of this on need, not want. So every single line of code that we're shipping for this is something we specifically needed to write to make it work for us. And that has been really a really powerful like change of perspective for me because usually when I go out and build these things, it's like, oh, what if it did this? What if it did that? Instead of being based in something more practical. That's awesome. Well, we are gonna dig into how it's gonna work right after a word from our sponsor. A good font is one of the best ways to make your project stand apart. At typography.com, you'll find the work of Heffler & Co, creators of stylish and high-performance typefaces. 
Their fonts are used by organizations like NPR, cultural institutions like the Guggenheim Museum, and by the people we love, like the Office of Barack and Michelle Obama. And now you can use their fonts too. H&Co's well-curated library and one-stop licensing options make choosing the right fonts simple so that you can spend less time looking for fonts and more time using them. H&Co's been de designing typefaces for over 30 years and knows how to help designers avoid the pitfalls of using a less than perfect font. At typography.com, you'll find lots of options, all of them good. Every font family is built to the same high standard and is designed to have everything you need and nothing you don't. You'll find fonts that have well-thought-out families with great language support and even the most obscure characters, plus tons of tips, tricks, and inspiration to help you get the most out of type. Whether you're designing a website, an app, or an entire identity, H&Co makes it easy to choose the perfect typeface from their library of 1,500 fonts, including classics like Gotham and Knockout, and new favorites like Isotope and Operate. The Ruby on Rails' own logo uses their Whitney and Archer fonts. You can try the whole Heffler & Co. font library right in the browser at typography.com. And now for a limited time, as a Ruby on Rails listener, you'll receive 10% off your next purchase from H&Co. Use code Ruby, R-U-B-Y, for your discount at checkout. Thank you, Heffler & Co. for sponsoring the show. Back to you, Joel. So, Joel, how will Action View components work? Okay, so the answer is that we're not totally sure yet. But the gist of the pro proposed architecture is pretty simple. So components are objects. Uh, they're rendered given arguments passed to them. Um, they generally have a single public method that returns a rendered result, and the rest of the methods are private. Uh, so you'll basically pass a component to the existing Rails render method. What's great about this is if you just think about it at the highest level, is that views are objects and not templates, which means that you can use like Ruby and Rails features really easily. like. In the most basic level, think about like named and required arguments, or like in the Rails world, active model validations. Um, in the on the testing side, they're objects, so you can just call them and unit test them. You know, you get all these things for free that we weren't getting working with templates. Um, the Rails PR that landed uh, included an example component implementation that's really similar to what we're running internally. Um, the biggest change we've made since then is that we're moving to having our templates in a sidecar file as some text editors and even github.com didn't really play nicely with having like a here doc string in line in the component file. Um, but the thing that's kind of that we still don't know about how they're going to work is like, how are these going to fit into the existing rails, like architecture conventions, right? We've been making some progress on it and that, for every Rails app I've been, there's always been an extra directory in the app folder. And it's always been view related, like, you know, like presenters or decorators or view models. Well, ours is view models and we have like 700 of them. And all along when I've seen these folders in like every Rails app I've been, it's really just to me screamed missing abstraction. And Eileen's theory is that maybe action view component can fill that role. And that's kind of what we're testing right now and hoping to reach some consensus on before this goes upstream. That makes sense. So essentially under the app folder, instead of these being nested under models or being nested under views, they would have their own folder? Yeah, so right now we literally have an app components folder. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's well, I, I like that. I think that's really well named. Yeah, me too. So you mentioned that we're likely to see components in Rails 6.1. Uh, RailsConf has uh, come and gone. 
where we thought we might see Rails 6. So I'm waiting for the day where Rails 6 is coming out, which I'm sure is soon. Do we have any idea when Rails 6.1 might land? Actually, the cadence is yearly uh, with some form of release, right? Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. So kind of that was actually the reason, at least Raphael from the core team, when he reached out to me, basically said, hey, this is the perfect time to merge something like this in because we've just cut the release candidate for six, mm -hmm. which means that we now have an entire release cycle to get this right. So, you know, we're still like thinking of the best like Railsy way to do it. Um, but hopefully it'll be in six one. That's so exciting. Um, so is it similar to Basecamp where I think you've hinted around that GitHub is already using components? Yeah, totally. So something to know about GitHub is that we render everything on the server for the sake of progressing of enhancements. So like we don't have any React in our code base. So this is actually our first chance to use even the concept of components in our monolith. Um, so we're rendering, what is it? We probably have about a dozen components. Some of them are like app specific and some of them are more part of our design system. And we, I think we have about a hundred call sites that specifically render a component. Um, we're rendering like topic tags when you like see a repository and it like has topics underneath it. Um, those issue and PR status badges, and then like the little colored dot and the name of a language, everywhere you see those things, everywhere on the site is rendered with components. Um, the project we're working on now is starting to standardize the repository list item component, which is basically anytime we list a lot of repositories, like one of those things, um, we just ship that as a component and we're working on then using that component in all the places around the site. I think there's like literally a dozen implementations of it right now. Um, so we're trying to make it so there's one. <laughs> um, and more broadly, we're trying to work towards making this our standard way of building server-rendered UI at GitHub. Because our longer-term goal from a design systems perspective is that everything uses our design system. And this is going to be the way we facilitate that. That makes sense. So it has been introduced as a pull request for Rails 6.1. Was there ever a consideration, instead of merging it directly into Rails, to have it as an add-on library? that people can add into their applications now, or has it always been aimed to be in Rails core? <laughs> yes, both. <laughs> um, so I had never planned to put it into Rails this early. Our plan was to make a gem over the summer, dream of some sort. Um, but after RailsConf, uh, Raphael from the core team basically said that because of where we fell in the release cycle, it would be better to just get whatever we had in so that we could start iterating it on it in Rails. I also kind of read between the lines that I think they want to try and use it at Shopify ahead of time. So getting it out there sooner was probably probably in their interest as well. I love that there are several Rails applications out there that you hear are using something and you're like, if they're using it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. Like, I mean, we so when we first wrote this, I was like, wait, how are we going to do this? Where we like, we're, we're interjecting into the render call in action view. Like that's a pretty hot code path. Mm -hmm. But I pair with Aaron and he's like, oh, we'll just monkey patch it. So we write a monkey patch that like overwrites and calls super on render. But like if it's a component, it does our own thing. And we ship that to production running like tens of thousands of calls per second and didn't have a problem. So like it's kind of been amazing to me working at GitHub more generally how little of a penalty scale is here, at least when it comes to Rails. Like I would have expected this to be way more of an issue performance wise, but it really just hasn't been. That's fantastic and a really good lesson to the listeners that 
yes, we always argue that rails can scale, but also, you know, monkey patching isn't always the scariest thing as long as you know what you're doing. And it sounds like you have resources that really can reassure you that you're doing the right thing. Yeah, and we have ways of measuring these things. And, you know, I, I will say that when we designed the monkey patch, it is literally almost exactly what we actually committed into Rails. <laughs> like, when you actually look at the diff. So, like, there's a reason it was designed that way. Like, it's very, it's very minimal. Very cool. Well, um, GitHub is obviously a very large Ruby on Rails application, but do you have a working example of components that listeners can check out? Yeah, so... I've been maintaining a demo repo that we can provide in the show notes. It basically has examples of a couple components we're using internally, and it also shows how we test them. Uh, I've been keeping this repo up to date with our implementation as it's changed. Like uh, just yesterday, I committed the code that pulls in sidecar templates. So if you want to define the template uh, not inside the the Ruby class, you can. Um, I also actually this morning uh, pushed a an example of the monkey patch we use internally. And by example, I mean like literally just the monkey patch we use internally. Um, so there's like very concrete, like actual code we're running in production uh, that's out there. It's not formally open source because it's not really in a format we would want to package and deliver yet, but that's something we're thinking about doing this summer, which would be like some sort of like intermediate gem solution that people can start using. Very cool. Well, I definitely want to ask you about performance, but we're going to take a quick break from our second sponsor, Flatiron School. Ready to take your programming skills to the next level? At Flatiron School, they help people of all experience levels launch or upskill their tech careers in as little as four months. Born in Manhattan and inspired by the iconic, innovative Flatiron building, they teach software engineering, data science, and UI UX design to students around the world, and have helped thousands launch meaningful careers in tech since 2012. Whether you want to learn in person or online, Flatiron School helps students change careers with confidence with one-on-one career coaching and a tuition back guarantee. Follow their proven job search framework and receive a job in six months or your tuition back. Join the thousands of people who change things. Learn more at www.flatironschool.com ruby. Thank you, Flatiron School, for sponsoring the show. So, Joel, how are the initial tests of performance going so far? Uh, so far, so good. We haven't really done too much. Probably, probably should do more. Um, the demo repo I mentioned earlier has a simple benchmark. We're seeing, like, depending on conditions and whatnot, roughly a five times improvement over nested partials. But there's a big caveat there because people generally avoid nested partials because they're not fast. And with components, we want people to be able to use them with reckless abandon without fear of any performance implications. Um, So, like, in our repo list item component, we have, like, six levels of nesting because we're effectively almost building the DOM. So... Performance matters a lot there, and it's something that is still like an, an open question, honestly. I will say that the real performance improvement we've seen right off the bat is in testing. Because if you just think about what's being exercised when you're, say, testing a class versus like running a controller test, the difference is massive. So, you know, like a unit test of a component might be 25 milliseconds, but like a full fledged controller test in our code base is six seconds. So you're talking about a 200 times improvement in terms of test speed, which means that we can write really thorough tests. Uh, Like our unit tests are incredible for our internal components. There's like, you know, 50 cases for one component. Like you would never do that with controllers, right? Like, so that's been one of the cool things about just like kind of being able to remove performance from the equation when it comes to testing these is like, you can actually test them properly, I think for the first time. Oh, that's great. Now, no one can say that the Ruby on Rails community isn't passionate, so I have to ask, has there been any pushback from the community about the new feature? I'm not claiming 
at all that we are doing anything unique here. The thing is, is that at GitHub, we strive to be as stock rails as possible. So when we thought about doing this, using a gem wasn't really an option. So we kind of just had to like look at these other implementations and say, hey, you know, what would this look like to do it in Rails? And what's been really great is that there's been all this excitement around the pull request offering all these different perspectives. And in fact, I incorporated some of them in the actual pull request that got merged. Like I, I think Zach on was the contributor. I actually added him as a co-committer uh, to the pull request. Um, but this is something we kind of anticipated in terms of like the diversity of perspectives. So the team working on this internally has actually been pretty big. Um, my primary collaborator on the project was uh, was Natasha, and she's one of our apprentice engineers. So between her and Tenderlove, we had like a really wide perspective of experience. So like, because I was working with someone who's pretty much brand new to Rails, it really helped us focus on making ActionView component as simple and easy to use as possible. Um, we also worked really extensively with our design team, you know, Diana, Emily, and Sean, who are people who in our organization that basically own our UI architecture. They all contributed heavily to like the theoretical work around this, like how it would make their lives better. So I think that all kind of like helped put the work when it became public in like a really good place to succeed. That's awesome. I mean, that's just so much came together in order for this pull request to happen. And I definitely will link the pull request in the show notes. And I read through the comments and everyone was very positive, very excited about this. And it was a big reason why I wanted to have you on the show. Yeah. So how can our listeners either help or test components? So it would be really awesome to see other people give this a try in their apps and kind of like report back on how it goes. Um, the easiest way is to mimic the code in the demo repo that we'll link in the show notes. Um, it includes that the monkey patch you would need to drop in. I actually don't know what version of Rails it should work with. We were it was it was 5.2 in our app. I actually think it would probably work with versions earlier than that as well. So, if people were to mimic code in the demo repo and use the monkey patch, they can open PRs to that repo, open issues. There are already issues on the repo, and we've been getting great feedback that we've already incorporated into our implementation. Um, I am definitely offering to make people co-committers into Rails whenever the time comes to. Oh, that's exciting. So before we wrap up, we touched upon project paper cuts at the top of the episode. Can you tell me a little more about that project? Oh yeah, wow, that, yeah, such a fun project. Um, so I spent a couple months as the technical lead on this project and the general gist of it was just focusing on making small changes to GitHub to streamline developer workflows. So we worked on shipping small improvements to the app that were based on community feedback from, you know, like the Dear GitHub letter, the refined GitHub, uh, ex you know, Chrome extension. Um, our product manager, Luke, and a couple other people, I think even our CEO, Nat, reached out to people on Twitter to get ideas, which was really cool. And over like, I wanna say it was like nine months, we did about a hundred ships to the app, which is breakneck pace even at a small company, uh, let alone one our size. Um, so some of the ships we did were like, you know, when you're looking at a diff, when you select the, the source, it doesn't select the diff markers anymore. So you can more easily copy and paste it into your editor. Um, we made it a lot easier to edit readmes, right, by adding a little pencil icon in the UI. We added a shortcut to copy comment URLs. And then, like, as I mentioned earlier, we ad we added the sticky PR and issue headers. The specific use case for that was when you're clicking the merge button, 
on a really long PR, sometimes you don't know what you're merging because you're just like so far removed from the title. So by putting the the PR or issue title at the very at the you know stuck at the top of the browser, you could always know what you were dealing with in that interaction. Um, let me tell you that yeah. the not copying the diff markers, my coworker and I jumped up and down literally in our <laughs> office when that happened. So thank you. <laughs> I have to say that 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 one was a lot of work. So it's really good to hear that. Like, oh man, the the number of things even after we shut that that we were just like, oh gosh, that browser, that use case. Anyways, it's a it's like a deceptively difficult problem, I especially around it. like hidden characters and stuff like that. Oh sure. So yeah. Joel, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, so I, I really don't do social media. Um, I keep my website up to date, which is hoxley.org. Uh, and the best way to follow this project is probably just to watch the demo repo on GitHub. I am pushing there like once every week or two and uh, participate in the discussions. Awesome. Well, Joel, thank you so much for joining me on the show. If you're like me, you're super excited about ActionView components. Do test it out, listeners, and we'll talk to you next week.